you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I have Dr. Londo Fortune, and I, I don't even know if I came close to saying that correctly. You said it right, you're good. Okay. And he is a former government accountant turned entrepreneur and self publishing strategist. Although he graduated with honors and an opportunity to play professional baseball, He chose to become a government accountant. We've got to explore that one. But his strong desire to help people in need led him to real estate investing, where he focused on distressed home sellers. And financial success in real estate revealed emotional and mental wounds in his life that, you know, he needed to deal with. And so I I know that bio actually didn't cover what we're going to talk about today, Mm -hmm. which is persuasive storytelling. I'm going to let him tell his story a little bit more. But welcome to the show, Fortune. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Miss Kim. This is a great opportunity to showcase the new setup and get on here and talk about some of the things I love talking about most, which is publishing books and uh, and storytelling. Love it. Love it. What I'd like you to do, Fortune, I'm going to let you do most of the talking today, mm-hmm. is why don't you share your story? So I shared a little bit in the bio, but why don't you kind of take it from there and tell us how you went from, you know, a government accountant to a self-publishing strategist. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate that. My transformation really actually happened while I was locked up. And I literally remember sitting in on a hard jail cell bunk and my face is in my hands. And I, I'm one trying to figure out how did I get here again? As I'm sitting there, I got all this noise going on in the background, people playing cards, banging out beats and rapping and doing all types of commotion going on around me. And I'm sitting there trying to have this conversation with God because I was trying to figure out why I had messed up again. See, this wasn't my first time being locked up and it wasn't my first time Mm -hmm. having the prayer that I was having with him, which is, if you get me out this time, (laughs) I promise I'll change. Here's the crazy thing. That happened on a Thursday. The Thursday before that, I got locked up for the same thing. I just said the same prayer. Mm. About seven months before that day, I was locked up for the same thing and I had that same type prayer. So Mm. three times in one year, locked up for the same felony. So I was yeah. actually a three strikes rule. I should have been going straight to prison. God had a different plan for me. And I knew he had a different plan for me because before then, you know, when I graduated from high school, I had an opportunity to go play D1 at Howard University full scholarship. Around my junior year, they wanted to bring in some new groups and new athletes. And they was like, we got to make some room for scholarships because, you know, it's a smaller school, private school. And so they asked me to go to an academic scholarship because I still qualify for that full scholarship academic. So I got the I have the brains and I got the brawn. Okay, just trying to say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I must say so myself, I got a little beauty, but you know, that size is a bit holder. You know, this 
<laughs> and then when I graduated from Howard University, I graduated with honors with a degree in accounting. And I had also an opportunity to go play pro ball for the Montreal Expos up there in Canada. I turned it down thinking I didn't think there was giving me enough money and, you know, just big headed ego type of stuff. So I said, I'm going to work for the government because this is what one of the things that black families do. We talk about go get a good government job, G-U-V, government job. And you set. So that's what I did. I'd already been working for the government when I was in college in this stay in school program. So I was like, cool, I'm going there. Now, a government accountant is already an oxymoron. Government and accounting, they should not <laughs> be right next to each other. All right. That's government accounting. And I sit there looking around like, this isn't what I want to do. So I started spending y'all, the, the United States, they good government, they tax money to go learn about real estate investing. Okay. Mm. So I'm printing out papers and I'm highlighting stuff, trying to figure out how to get rich and wealthy. Right. So when I got, when that new guy came in, he was this like golden haired surfer type guy who's going to change and remodel the government. He's going to fix our department. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> he asked us. He asked each one of us what we wanted to do. What was our plans for for the government? And I said, I want to learn from you how to do, how to be my own leadership, be my own leader. That led me to go into real estate. In real estate, uh, I started making a lot of money, started going partying and started going into drugs. That leads me down the path to end up being locked up. But when I was locked up, I finally decided that I was going to change. And I wrap this up here. I, I decided I really wanted to change this time. So I got back into my books, which is one of the reasons why I say that you're one book away from the next breakthrough in your life or in your business. Mm -hmm. I started getting back into my reading and so forth and started figuring out these ideas about how I wanted to change my life. And with that clear mind, I started writing everything down on this yellow legal piece of paper. I'm folding it in half. I drew a little cover and a table of contents. I wrote these ideas about what I wanted to be, uh, how this book I wanted to write. Cause I didn't know if I was gonna stay clean, but I had a kid on the way and I already had a son. I was like, here are the principles, here's how to change your life and become the person God designed you to be. I, I decided I need to write that book going into Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It was like 20 pages of glory. I was like, yes, I'm an author, but I did nothing with it. <laughs> For about 18 months. About Isn't 18 that months. how a lot of people do that, right? Yeah. You, you put it on, they put it on the computer. I, I still have books on my computer now that I haven't published. They're just ready. So people ask me how many books have you written? I was like, well, I've written six. I've published three. <laughs> like, you know, they're not done. But I meet this woman named Cashel Kelly at a women's empowerment event. And she challenged me to go to stop taking God's glory and tell his mm -hmm. story. That's when I, everything, the lid came off from me. And I wrote the published that first book, Unlimited Potential. And when people, how to stop living with your fears, doubts, and uncertainties. When I finished that book, I started creating courses. I started getting paid to coach. I started getting paid to speak. And I was like, oh, my life just changed from one book again. There it is. And from there, people kept asking me, how do you write this book? And I don't know if you had this, Miss Kim. People ask me how to write this book. And I sit down with them like, yes, I get excited. Yeah, let me show you how to do it. You should write a book. And then they do nothing with it. And I got tired of spending, sitting in coffee shops, telling people how to write these books and not do anything. I said, I got to start charging for it. And there comes in the self-publishing strategy. I loved what you, some of the things that you said. So for me, it's not legal pads. It's 11 by 11 inch post-it notes. There you go. Wow, that is so big. That's awesome. Uh, my my daughter got them for me last year because she knows I love post-it notes. Mm -hmm. And my best friend loves post-it notes too. So when she started, she saw them, she started to drool. So my daughter bought a package for her for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> They're like some of my best office buddies, you know, because oh. 11 by 11 post-it note, you can write an awful lot on that thing. A whole lot on there. And do they stick to the wall yeah. too? Yeah. Oh. 
well, okay. So okay. they're they're all on my wall away from the, <laughs> the camera. Yeah. Cameras. <laughs> oh, I can believe that. I can believe that. But one of the things that you said that caught my attention was the fact that you've got these books written down and yet, you know, there was something stopping you from taking it to the next step. And that's something that I've seen in just about every single client I've worked with. You know, we are at RTI Publishing, we ghostwrite as well. Mm -hmm. There hits the middle point of the book and they stall out. It's it's almost like the reality that this book is coming alive. It's almost like, you know, you're in that last stages of pregnancy and you're like, is this child really going to come? And you, and you start to just kind of panic, right? <laughs> Freaking out. So I always give my clients a week or two in that in that part. And it's like, okay, let's have the discussion. Let's start moving forward because it, they do. They stall out because the reality of it hits them so hard. And they start to think, is this book going to be good enough? Is this book going mm -hmm. to, to change? And I don't know about you, but this is what I tell my clients. Yep. I tell them, your book is not for everyone. And we're mm -hmm. not writing your book to everyone. Mm -hmm. We're writing your book to the people who need to read it. Yes, ma'am. And the people who need to read it, even if it's not 100% perfect, they're going to receive such tremendous value from it that it's going to change their life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a key point there. And two things on there real quickly. One is I have this principle called secure the bag. Now, what people understand with securing a bag means I'm going to make sure I get my money. Okay. I use the word secure the bag about because the, the philosophy behind it is to think profit first. The definition of profit is a benefit an advantage or a gain, B-A-G. So when I got to secure the bag, before I start writing, what benefit, advantage or gain? If with that in yeah. mind, I know I'm going to get paid or I'm going to help someone build a cause because you might be writing a book to do for your foundation or whatnot to get the message out to build your following community. So securing that bag up first makes me know what I want to do for, mm -hmm. uh, for myself. But it also means I need to understand who I'm writing this book Yes. I initially wrote that my first book, Unlimited Potential, was again, I said written for my kids. I wrote the book for my kids. But you know how many people have said, man, this feels like you're just talking to me. This book is written for me. It was written for my kids. When I go with my authors, I will literally, as we go through the ideal uh, ideal reader profile, yes. we create it, what the, what's it look like, the name, what, who, this one person. And it might be multiple, but we go one person at a time. It might be like two at the max. Two max. I get this profile, name, age, what, do they look, what does a lifestyle look like? What is the day in the life of this person, of the reader? What are the goals? What are they like now? And after they finish your book, what does it look like? Because your book's going to be the bridge between them. So creating this picture of who this person is and the psyche yes. of this person. And then guess what I do? I ask them to give me a name. What's this person's name? Mm, nice. And then we go out into the Google. We ask Mr. Google, give me like the last person's name was Kyle. So we went out here and looked for Kyle that was 35 years old, that looked like had kids and had, you know, working in the office. And we looked for pictures of Kyle. I have a copy and paste that picture of Kyle that looks kind of looks like the person we just created and put it on a document. So now when my authors go to write, they're writing to Kyle mm -hmm. and it keeps yeah. it in front of them. Like I need to change Kyle's life. And this is the second part I was saying. Mm -hmm. It is selfish of me to have a message that's going to transform someone's life and for me to keep it to myself, regardless yes. of how good I say that, especially nowadays when we can go out and change the document today and it'd be uploaded tomorrow and people can buy it, the new, the updated version, the edited version. Yes. I'm writing to Kyle and it's my, it's selfish of me to keep that yes. message to myself when I'm supposed to transform Kyle's life with that message. You know, it's funny you said that at, um, at one point I was kind of debating 
some things and you know whether i write what some things that different things i wanted to do mm -hmm. god basically said to me he says how dare you hold back the blessings i've given you from those who need it the most <laughs> that was like a holy god moment mm -hmm. and i'm like yes sir you tell me i will do it because and he was right and it got me thinking god has given me gifts talents skills and abilities mm -hmm. and he's given them so that i can reach certain people in this world yes ma'am and how dare i question my self-worth how dare i question whether you know, I'm good enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. If God has told me to do it, then he'll equip me and he has the right people for it. And that, that changed my life. And I was like, no longer was I going to hold back and play small. There you go. I give you a phrase for that. The same lady, Kishel Kelly, who told me to stop taking God's glory and, and, and tell his story. Another phrase she said, I got to talk to her. She said, God didn't give you a vision for you to put it on layaway. Oh, <laughs> bars i was like oh okay you know how when someone says something that you get excited about you start looking around for someone to like but like, did you catch that and you want to like get a high five or something did you did you hear what you just said wake up did you hear that yeah that was one of those moments <laughs> we actually had titled today's segment i'm just looking at the stream yard link how to make thousands from your book outline oh. before you write a word so oh yeah we did do that okay yeah we did i, I couldn't remember so one thing that one mindset that I see a lot is people thinking the book has to be published before they can make money from it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's not true at all. I teach my clients are making money from their books throughout the whole process. Oh, absolutely. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Well, no worries. I got you. All right. So there's, there's a, there's a couple of things I want to talk about here. First off, the first thing I want to say is that I have a strategy abroad from a, a good friend of mine named Taria Avant where she actually pre-sells her book. She taught me the strategy and I write about it in my book called The 4-Hour Book. In that book, I talk about the strategy of sharing that you are writing a book. And then in sharing that you're writing the book, some people are going to be like, oh, what about what? And that's when you have this deeper conversation with them about what the ideas for the book is. Because the book may not be written. You just have ideas about what you're going to write about. And some people are going to be interested. And if they're interested, you can ask them to invest into the book so they can get a personal signed copy. Now, here's what I'm going to say about that. You can get upfront payment for it. I mean, this is a different way of looking about crowdfunding, but they're actually invested because mm -hmm. it's like kind of one-to-one. -one. You ask them for the payment upfront and you're going to be delivering it to them. I can ask for a book I know I'm going to sell for like $20. I can ask for $25 to cover shipping and handling. Now, here's some numbers, y'all. I'm going to tell I'm going to give a secret. The reason why people are able to sell books for $8.95, just a free plus shipping, is because I can have my book printed and shipped to me for $4 to my door a piece, $4 a piece. I can send something through media mail, unless I, unless I want to do priority. I can go media mail and have it shipped from California to New York for about $3. Mm. So $4 plus $3 means I got a little wiggle room if I got to, you know, for shipping or wherever it's going or whatever, packaging and all that stuff, you got to put it in there. I want to put a little piece of paper in there, you know, with a little letter, handwritten letter saying what you, that, why, how much you appreciate them. And if you got coaching or courses or things of that going on, you put something in there also, right? All together, I can still make money. So if I sold it for $25 and it's only going to cost me $8 to get it to them once I get it, I still made $17 already. So I'm already making profit money right there. That's just one strategy. I threw that on top. 
here's what here's what I did for the last book on. Uh, I initially you see it up on there. It was called How to Write a Book in Less Than Four Hours. That's the initial name for the book. It's now shortened to the Four Hour Book because three three words is a good title. Okay, it's easy to remember <laughs> and easy to create a website out of. Initially, when I created the book, here's what I did, Miss Kim. I created a workshop. Had people pay me to come to the workshop. At the workshop, I recorded it. Yep. Video. So now I just got paid to create the course that now I could sell because I didn't cut the course up and put it into different episodes, uh, different uh, modules. And because I had people there to get feedback while I'm recording it, now I can answer their questions and continue modifying and make sure the modules answered all the questions. Later mm -hmm. on, I can add little details or whatever, but I created the course. I got paid to create the course. I created the course and started selling the course. Then I took that outline that I created the course and taught the course off of. And I started telling people, hey, I can teach you how to write your book. Yes. So when I go to my coaching program, you should be selling a package. It's easy to sell a package because I can now use that outline, the 10 steps in my outline to qualify somebody for my coaching or consulting. So yes. when I get on the phone call with them, I'm going through, oh, step one is to is to determine, uh, step two is to, to determine the intention for the book. So now my question is, hey, so what do you plan on doing with the book? Do you have any ideas? And when they tell me no, boom, I highlight that. So now when I go to my closing, I say, well, based on what we've gone over, here's what you should, here's what I think you should yeah. do. Do you have a way of doing that? Because I can help you do 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 So I know I can do it because it's already part of my process. So I started yes. selling my coaching right then before I'd finished the book because I, I hadn't taken that transcript from the same workshop I'd done, take that workshop and I transcribed it and it was gone to the editor. So I'm selling while it's at the editors and they're doing what they do to make it sound like a book and not a transcript. Please don't sell transcripts. That was like so 2005. But I sent it to an editor to turn it into the book. And while that's going on, I'm selling the same course as coaching. Yes. One of the two ways to get paid. Well, that was actually multiple ways to get paid from the book's outline mm -hmm. before you even write it. Yeah. And you know what? That is so awesome and amazing. I love it. And one of the things I do is I actually teach my clients and I love that idea, but I just teach my clients how to talk about the book. And then you actually sell from talking about the book. It, it's just simple conversations. So I, I love both ways because mm -hmm. I think it depends on what you're selling too, right? Uh, yeah. Some A lot of my people's tend to be service providers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes the coaching course model doesn't work as much, yeah, but yeah. I love that fact that, that you did that. And it's, it is one of the great ways. A few years ago before COVID, I used to do a three-day book writing workshop mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, I recorded it all. And at some point I will be writing the book about it. Uh, <laughs> it's on the goal, I think for late 2023, because I'm still working on working through some things with the first book. Mm -hmm. And I love it because you don't have to stay in the same box. You can think outside of the box and ways to use your book. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not even just sometimes selling things, you know, there's social proof. One of my clients, yeah. while he was writing his book, built a tremendous audience just by talking about the book, little yep. quotes from the book, the process of writing the book, mm -hmm. you know, what messages, what things was he learning? Like he just built this tremendous audience. And then towards the last half of writing the book, you know, he started getting ready to sell the book. And, you know, when that book launched, he sold 500 to a thousand copies and has sold thousands of copies since. And now companies pay him 
to come in and do team reads with his book to teach their salespeople how to sell. So, you know, That's there's so up. many different ways. There's so mm-hmm. many different ways that you can use your book. And, I, and that you, that's an interesting point while you're getting a sip there, that you definitely want to give that behind the scenes, get people involved mm-hmm. in the book and see what's going on. It's an own way of not only getting the work done, but sharing the message ahead of time, getting feedback from people, making some, you know, they may ask a question about the quote you used or the idea for a chapter that you're writing on. They may ask you a question like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And I now you know what the market wants. You're answering the actual questions that they have going on in their mind, which is the key to marketing, having an understanding of the conversation that's going on in their mind. And it's interesting you think about your, about your author, John Maxwell did that. And that's where I got the idea from sharing it. Mm-hmm. He literally would write a chapter and then he'd put it out there for people to read. And he would use the, like on his website uh, and so forth. And he literally wrote the book with his audience. So when it was yeah. done, they automatically wanted to buy the book. I was part of the process. I want to buy it because I was part of that. I helped yes. him write chapter two. <laughs> you know, the thing is feedback is really important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with my clients, there's several things we do during the process where I tell them, go put this out to your social media. Because they'll say to me, well, I want this this certain way. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But what does your audience want? And, and mostly it comes down to the cover. Yeah. Like that's usually the sticking <laughs> point is they want the cover a certain way. And I'm like, I know you do, but you know, I don't want to kill your darling. But so usually what we do is because we do create the covers for them is we'll yeah. create three or four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we usually narrow it down to about three. And there's usually one that they really like. And I look at it and I'm like, it's okay, but... So I tell them, put it out to your audience. And it's usually the one they don't want is the one the yeah. audience goes, oh, I love this. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, it's their book, so they have the choice. But, I'm, I'm, you know, I say to them, if your audience is telling you this is the cover that they want. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you also have to be able to love it, right? Like, Because you have to be able to own this. This is your book. So sometimes my clients have actually gone with the other covers, and it still turned out fine. But, yeah. you know, for me, I tested several different covers on my book several different subtitles, different things. Mm-hmm. I put that all out to my audience and got feedback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, author to authority came about because I was testing all sorts of different brand names, you know, title names for my book, different things like that. And that was the one that seemed to resonate the most mm-hmm. with my audience. So that's what I went with. Yeah. And that gives part of that inclusion also. And they're getting in part of that process. I remember reading about how to do titles and covers and so forth. And there was Tim Ferriss in his initial book. That's how he came up with his titles. He put in titles and uh, for his book and the covers is because he put it out there and said, hey, what do y'all think about this, this, that, and the other? What they said is what he used because it's not about you. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There are certain types of books that obviously are about you. Whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, biographies. Yeah, those are about you, okay? But when it, if the book is not about you, and if, if it's for your service business, is it if it's for your speaking business, you want to grow that, if it's for uh, your coaching or consulting yeah. business, as I, as I work with, I need to make sure I'm not really good at like fishermen or anything like that. I'm not good at fishing. But I know this. If I put the wrong bait out for the fish, it's not going to bite. If yes. my fish like worms and I got these little flies, I'm not going to catch the right fish. And the fish I do catch aren't probably the ones I really want. I need to give them what they want. And if they say they want that, I need to give it to them. Now, inside the book, I say whatever I want to say in there, but I need to give them what they want to open the book. So Fortune, I've got one more question for you that I ask 
every single author that has come on the show. Yes, ma'am. And then uh, we're going to have to close it out. So yep. the question that I ask is, what was the good, bad, and the ugly about publishing your first book? Ooh, the good is clarity. There's something about being able to, when you start writing the book, and you start really getting clear about what your message is, that that makes you feel real good. The bad of it is that the anxiety, will <laughs> yes. they love me? Will, 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 they, will, they, will they get what I'm saying? Did I say that, did I say that right? Now the ugly part of that, <laughs> the <laughs> ugly part of it is not understanding true marketing in the beginning. Yes. So I put this book out there like, oh, it's going to be sell all these books because God put it in my heart and I wrote it for God. It's just going to go out there and it's going to just going to do it what it does. Nah, hey, crickets. Nothing. <laughs> you got to get out there and say, buy my book. But maybe not exactly like that. But at some point, even when you're talking about it, you got to say, buy my book. <laughs> like It's going to be plain and let people know. And, and that was the ugly part. You know what I find funny about that? You're sitting there talking about the book, but unless you actually say to them, please go buy the book. <laughs> yeah, they're just gonna they're, they're gonna do the same thing. They're gonna say, you know what I heard about this great book? And they said, Did you buy it? No. Why don't you buy it? I don't know. I don't know. And the reason why is the author didn't tell you, buy my book. Notice I've said that so many times. <laughs> So Fortune, we're basically out of time, yep. but I would like you to just take a moment. And if people have been listening to this and they've really liked what you've said and they want to connect with you, what are some of the best ways to be able to connect with you? And do you have anything free you like to give away? Excellent. The easiest way to get hold of me is you see the name on the screen or for those who are listening, D Arlando Fortune, D-A-R-L-A-N-D-O-F-O-R-T-U-N-E, D Arlando Fortune, all over these internet streets. Okay, all over these internet streets, you'll find me with them. You Google that, all right? I do have anyone that wants to talk about either their book or if you have the book finished and you want to figure out how to create the courses and consulting and all that type of stuff, back, you need the back-end stuff because you make more money from the back-end stuff than you do from the book. Then you can go to Signature Book Formula, signaturebookformula.com. I got a free little audio video on there talking about what I do and how you can use that book. I do like to give away my first book, though. I always like to give away my first book, but you can go to unlimitedpotentialbook.com, unlimitedpotentialbook.com forward slash author authority, author authority. Now that will lead them to my first book, Unlimited Potential, How to Stop Living with Fear, Doubt, and Uncertainty. And you'll see what the actual book, a finished book looks like, and just kind of see the idea of being able to tell your story, but actually infuse a message into it. And if you choose to, I'm not telling you to. There are some upsells on there, but the upsells are to like my clothing line for No Doubt Living. And though the profits from those, when you're buying the, the hoodies and hats and so forth, actually go to help somebody who's in re-entry. I'm a recovering addict. And so I help support programs to help them get literacy, to get the life back together. So the profits from those, any of those sales from the um, hoodies and so forth go towards those organizations. That has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just want to encourage you, 
you know, support the authors and the guests that are on this show. They come on, they donate their time. You know, I don't pay them to come on. They gladly come on and they donate their time so that you can move your business forward. So highly recommend, you know, take advantage of these free offers that the guests are giving us. Check out their books, support them as a thank you for being on the show. So this has been Dee Orlando Fortune and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.